What is going on, guys being dudes, episode number 13, Mitch McCartney, my co-host, Danny Lusa here. Yo, yo, yo. Detroit Pistons progress report, dude. It has been a long time since we talked about the Pistons. February 22nd, I feel like it's pretty overdue. Yeah, um, I'm going to say this right now. I've been waiting since I was a wee little lad to talk about the Detroit Pistons on any type of airway that I could, you know, get my hands on. And this is the perfect situation. You know, this is the perfect time because we're going to actually break down the Detroit Pistons and how fucking terrible of a situation they're in right now. Um, due to the salary terrible. cap and everything else. Uh, but prospect wise, there's potential. Re- yes, it's bad, but it's not that bad. So real quick, before we get started, we just have a little bit of an announcement we do have an Instagram now. You can follow us there at GBD Podcast 2021. That way you'll be updated with everything about the podcast. Anything you need to know, you can find that on our Instagram. So go follow that. Without further ado, let's get started. So currently, Pistons have the third worst winning percentage in the league. Get hey, started. Give it up for Detroit, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Been in this fucking hole since 12. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Starting the episode off on a good note. So uh, Pistons have the third worst winning percentage at uh, 2.295%. That's just behind the Rockets at 0.279% and the T-Wolves at 0.246%. So what does that mean? That means that the Pistons are have the third best chances of getting the number one overall pick in this upcoming NBA draft. Are they going to get that pick? Probably not, but they have the third highest chances. So with that being said, we do have a very high chance of getting a top three pick, which is very important. So practically before, impossible, though, for Detroit, because they never get the lottery pick. Oh, right. Like, yeah, they yeah, never get not, top five. Right. We're not New York. We're not. I mean, it's probably going to be Houston because Houston has the best market and the NBA is going to rig it. So, yeah. Fuck you, Adam Silver. You look like a freaking eraser. all right so to get started on a positive note here the pistons do have i think an underrated young core they have we all know jeremy grant surprise of the season i mean if it wasn't he he, he, if it wasn't for julius randall figuring out like unlocking some unknown potential this year i do think jeremy grant would win the most improved player award you go into it last year with Denver. Guy averaged 12 points per game, one assist, three and a half rebounds, shot 38% from three, 47% from the field. This season with Detroit, he's upped that to 22 points a game, three assists, five rebounds. Now, his three point percentage and his field goal percentage have dipped a little bit, but he has, he's shooting a lot more this year. So, I mean, personally, I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure when I was prepping for this, I saw that he was taking like three threes a game last year on average with Denver. And this year he's taking like six and a half. So I'm willing to sacrifice the slight drop in efficiency there. Uh, I mean, he's really just lighting it up from the floor this season. I didn't see it coming. I, Danny, I remember when we signed Jeremy Grant, I sent, I texted you. I was like, dude, I really like this, but did I expect Jeremy Grant to produce to the level that he has this season? 
hell no. And I think that you could say the same thing to that. So I don't know. What's your thoughts on Jeremy? So when I watched the Denver Nuggets, um, you know, throughout the playoffs last year, it was like when you were watching Jeremy Grant, he was one of those players that was just he was straight three and D. He was strictly um his role in Denver was smaller, obviously, because of the massive stars talent that they have on that team, which is Jokic and Jamal Murray and, you know, bringing in Michael Porter Jr. So they wanted to, you know, get rid of some players. And, you know, it was cool to see that we picked up Jeremy Grant. The only thing is, is his percentage went down. Yes. But that's because he took on a way larger role. And coming out to the Pistons, I mean, you're going to become the number one um, person on that team if you're a decent role player or you're going to be like one of the shining stars on the team, basically, because Detroit always has they have these role players that will always do good, you know, come to Detroit and then they'll, you know, shine when you go on to a contending team. When they go on a contending team, their role is kind of like shrunk way more because it's just Detroit, They their best players are contending teams' role players at the end of the day. So seeing Jeremy Grant come to us, it was like, okay, this guy's going to pop off. This is great. He's a 3 and D guy. But now we need some front court pe- presence and we need a playmaker. And we, we picked up players um, in the draft. We have a lot of rookies on our team that have like potential. Sadiq Bay, and then you got Josh Jackson. You got all these players that are, you know, <clears throat> uh, gonna fit in well with Grant. But I-, I knew that he was he was gonna be a star player, but I didn't think he was gonna go crazy like this, dude. I think that yeah. Jeremy Grant is just one of those players that is gonna be easy to build around him now because he is at the small forward position where his defense shines and that's the position you need to cover because that's like um, a really important position in the NBA. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, forwards nowadays, I mean, you have forwards that they can, I mean, it's like the perfect position if you think about it, because now with today's small ball game, if you're like six, six, eight, six, nine, that's like big for a forward, but then you can perfectly play center in a small ball scenario. You add that on to the fact that, you know, you're a shooting forward like Grant is, and it just, everything is much easier to play. And I mean, like I said, yeah, I mean, I was excited when we signed him, but I, I did not see this coming at all. I mean, he played 74 games last year. He only started 24 of them. So the guy really does not have, I mean, he doesn't have any experience at all being the number one option in an offense and to see the level of success that he's had this season in his first year as a number one option that's so promising going forward to me because dude if he's this good this year how good is he going to be next year or his third year you know his contract year and and that's really the only thing that's like scaring me as you just kind of brought up here in Detroit it's it's hard to get good players if you don't get them in the draft and and what you said you know our star players here tend to be role players on other teams and you can you can take Andre Drummond for example I mean he was the he was the focal point of the team when he was here in Detroit and he goes into LA and I'm not going to say he's well I mean he I guess he is a role player but at the end of the day Drummond's still a pretty big name in the league I think so they just have a lot of front court presence 
in LA. So oh, it's yeah. just kind of hard to put him in the rotation and get his numbers to be expanded like they were in Cleveland and Detroit. So his numbers right. are going to deplete definitely when he's going on to the team like that. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I mean back to back to Jeremy Grant. Like what I didn't see last year from him in Denver, you brought up that he was a three and D player, which he was, and the playmaking that he's showcased this year, I don't. I mean, I don't think anyone really knew outside of Denver that he had this in his skill set, but. The handles that he showcased, he showcased a great ability to break down his defenders and get to the basket. He can knock outside and hit the three. I mean, the one question I have about Grant is, can he be the number one option on a contending team? Because we've, of course, seen he can be a number one option on this year's Pistons team, which is pretty bad. But let's not like. I mean, I don't think the Pistons, this is not, the Pistons are not going to be anywhere near this bad next season, I don't think. So the uh, jump that we need to make as a team, though, is that we need to start building our team around role players that know their job and execute it. Um, they need to be able to play around the stars that are on the team. The problem with Detroit right now is that too many people want to be that star and sacrifice their field goal percentage while doing it. And the thing with Jeremy Grant is he shoots a lot of threes don't get me wrong and he kind of fits into that description where it's like he wants to be the star of the team yes but he's sacrificing his field goal percentage and we just need him to be able to share the ball and not try to shoot his way into a win he needs to be able to be just an all-around good player so he did improve don't get me wrong it just seemed like his numbers just expanded at the end of the day meaning that since he took on a bigger role his minutes are going to be given to him more minutes are going to be given to him and so when that happens he's going to just shoot the lights out and try to you know shine and you know, look like a star because he wants to be getting that big contract next. Oh yeah, absolutely. He only played 26 and a half minutes a game last year. He's playing 34 this year. So, I mean, that's a huge increase, eight minutes. I mean, that's a lot more court time he's seeing, which leads to... The question is, is he the guy that's going to lead us into the playoffs and going to be able to get us at least to the semi-conference finals? See that's that's where that's like the one the one question I have about him is he can he be the guy on a, a good team and I don't know for some reason like despite how good he's been this year there's just something in my gut that's telling me that he can't be the number one on a contending team because if you just I mean if you look physically at the number ones on the contending teams like this year like let's take like you take Philly I mean two guys Ben Simmons well I mean. Embiid's the number one. So let's take Embiid. I mean, the 7-1 giant, you know, LeBron, he's hurt right now, but he's the number one in L.A. I mean, a giant. Uh, who else is there? KD and Brooklyn, a giant. I mean, Gr- Grant doesn't possess these, like, crazy physical abilities. I don't necessarily think he lacks athleticism. I don't think it hurts his game, but I also don't think he possesses the elite type of athleticism needed to be a number one option on the offensive floor on a contending team. Unfortunately, when I think about 
Jeremy Grant, I think about, I don't know, a developing Brandon Ingram, I guess you could say. Not developing. Yes, that's a, dude, that's a good combo, actually. Very yeah, good. I see. I don't want to say a developing uh, Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram still hasn't shown anything in the playoffs. But he, we have seen his game blossom to a point where it's starting to look like more of a Kevin Durant style play. So Jeremy Grant also holds that kind of skill set, but he's just kind of like one under Brandon Ingram. Um, I I just don't think that he's better than most of the team or better than most of the players in his positions. Yes, he does has he does have the stats and he does have the numbers, but like like we said before, it comes to clutch time performances at the end of the five you know five minutes left in at the end of the game. So can he? get it done for the Detroit Pistons day in and day out and be able to carry this team to at least a semi-conference finals. But that's wishing less than what we should be expecting um, as like a franchise that wants to build for a better future. So, and one of, and one of like, to be honest, like we're underrated right now because you know, the Pistons have been a little irrelevant for the past 10 years, but one of the better franchises in the NBA in the grand scheme of the NBA history. I mean, there's not a lot of teams out there that have three trophy, three rings. I mean, that's that's pretty good. You know, we've we've had some pretty good basketball teams here in the past and we just got to get back to that. And I think Troy Weaver is going to he's going to help us with that. And it's not just Jeremy Grant. He's got help. Help. Help is on the way. Uh, Sadiq Bey, another one of our rookies this year that has just flat out, you know, been great, to be honest with you. I mean, as a rookie, consistent as a rookie, very consistent, right? Very consistent as a rookie. He's averaging 11 points a game, one assist, four rebounds, shooting 41% from the field, 37.5% from three. And I cannot stress how good that is coming from a rookie. Normally, the one if if there is if there's two categories that rookies really really struggle or I guess three r- three categories that rookies really struggle in uh, when they first get into the league it's defense shooting and then the overall pace of the game it's just so much faster from college to uh, pro but Bay has he's adapted really really well over the past ten games he's averaging fourteen points a game. Still one assist, but he's up that he's up his rebounds to five rebounds a game. He was selected 19th overall out of Villanova. And I don't think, you know, I, I sure I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't even know who Sadiq Bey was when we drafted him. I did some research on him, like, okay, guy's a good shooter, doesn't have much else. But to be honest with you, he has proved me wrong and he has played his way into the rookie of the year conversation this year. He's undoubtedly the best shooter in his class. I mean, he's shooting 38% from three. He plays good defense. I made the very, very bold move of comparing him to Clay Thompson on our last Pistons episode. You're crazy, dude. Clay Thompson. Am I? Am I? Uh, Have you watched him lately? Dude. No, I haven't actually. (laughs) I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the guy's going to beat Clay Thompson, but. One, I mean, they do just they even have the same bill. I mean, Bay is six, Bay is a little, I think, you know, he's a little stronger than Clay is, but he's like six, seven, two, 25, I think. He's pretty big and he has this ability. I mean, I did say he's a great shooter, but there are good shooters, like guys that can knock out, knock down shots, like Danny Green. I know he was 
terrible last year in the in the bubble for the Lakers uh, shooting wise. But this year, Philly, he's been pretty good from three. So there's good shooters like Danny Green. And then there's shooters like Sadiq Bey, who have the ability to just absolutely set the entire gym on fire and drop 25 points in a quarter. I mean, we've seen games. It does not happen often that rookies are having multiple games in a season with six, seven, three pointers. And Bay has done that. Gosh, I wish I had the stat in front of me. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. I think it's like six times this year. He's had uh, a game with six or more three pointers, which is extremely rare. And it, I mean, it puts him in an elite class, I think going ahead. So I like that you brought up Danny Green because do you remember what role Danny Green had when he was on the Spurs? Yeah, three and D, man. He was. I he mean, was like three the, and D. He was and like he the was first the, three and D like prototype. Like after Danny Green and that those series with the Heat in the finals, everyone was looking for a three and D wing. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did really, really good with the Spurs to the point where he was just three and D. He was in the rotation. Um, they had him. They had him starting, and he he performed and he capitalized on it. I look at Sadiq Bay as just like just like that basically just like Danny Green was to the Spurs he's going to just be one of those rotational players that can knock down his threes put up a decent you know effort on defense to the point where it's just enough to keep you know us in the game and I feel like Sadiq Bey is not going to be that star player we think he is like you comparing him to Clay Thompson I mean i I don't even want to like think about that yet. I don't oh, even want to like. I don't <laughs> let, even want to like. Dream. Let uh, me have my fantasy, Danny. <laughs> that man scored sixty points on two dribbles. I'm not gonna even compare him to Clay Thompson yet. But um, Sadiq Bay is just one of those players that we're gonna just need in the future as we try to rebuild our way out of the situation that we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for real. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of sad that you don't see the whole Clay Thompson thing. I mean, yeah, it just seems like Detroit is just trying to build like uh, they're just trying to grab more three point players at the end of the day and try to up their percentage because Detroit for the longest time have been just straight defensive, you know, uh, monsters or trying like they're trying to become defensive monsters and it's just like a strong belief within the organization itself that you know defense wins championships and I could see that yes but like we transit transitioned into a style of play inside the NBA where threes are now becoming a three and D player is now becoming more and more uh, valuable like you said after the Miami Heat series everybody was looking for a three and D player that's how the league has transformed into now. Um, you see more uh, three and D players getting recognized, and it's pretty cool to see that Detroit's trying to pick up three point shooting players because I mean we've fallen short a lot of the times with players in the past that we've drafted. Uh, they've never really kind of like capitalized on what their uh, play style is. But Sadiq right. Bay, I see a little bit of a future with him. I see that he's going to at least put up some numbers. He'll he'll probably be like a 15-point-per-game player. So you, you think know? he's a starter in the league, like a long-term starter in the league? For, okay, so for the Detroit Pistons-wise, yes. I mean, but like I said before, I mean, a role player like that that shines like a star when he goes to a contending team, maybe like the Nuggets 
or the Utah Jazz or the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, he's going to come off the bench. Oh, he would look good, and the Nets could use him, man. Yeah, Another the Nets shooter, would go crazy. Some defense, some size. Yeah, Have he him would, running he with would like... Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah. That'd be oh, nuts. Yeah. When he comes back. Mm-hmm. On the second unit. That's an, another another player that was absolute cheeks at, on a Detroit team and gets traded and suddenly learns how to be good again. <laughs> it just it, we never get a break here. We we never ever ever get a break. It's yeah. pretty sad. One thing that you kind of brought up that like honestly like is kind of irritates me about the Pistons is like the whole like branding around defense. I mean. I know we've had some like fantastic defensive teams. I mean, the 2004 championship team that speaks for itself, like right away. And then you have, you know, 88 and 89. I mean, we had some, had some tough guys on that team, Dennis Rodman, you know, Rick Mahorn, all those guys. But uh, I'm just kind of over the whole like defense, defense, defense. Like every, you know, Pistons team is, you know, def- like this team's not even very good on defense, <laughs> you know? Like, do you know how they have like the whole new like uh the three one three line? Like that's their new like merch and stuff. Yeah. You hear the slogan for that? Like D up. I like it's just so like corny to me. Like, come on. Like it like it was two thousand was so long ago. I was like, Do you four. think it was like a marketing move just to have, you know, defense since it starts with a D saying D up? Um, like mixed in with the first initial of Detroit. We call it the D in this area, uh for Whoever is listening outside of Detroit, we as locals call it the D. So it just kind of mark like mixes in well with the marketing, not you only could, for the Pistons, but like for every other Detroit team. Could you imagine that entire time? They're like, yeah, man, the D up, the D doesn't mean defense, it means Detroit. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, Detroit up. I feel like the best marketing slogan was would be give them the D. Did you just combine slogan and logo? Slogo? The slogo? I'm going to start saying that from now on. <laughs> the slogo. Because, like, you know, I don't know. The print on the shirt looks like a logo. Like, we'll have the Detroit logo on it. Right. And then we'll have the slogan. And it'll say, give them the D. <laughs> okay. So, to uh, to get to another one of these rookies that... We are so blessed to have here in Detroit that have been playing great. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, center out of Washington. Uh, add that to the short list of Troy Weaver's promising young players. He was selected 16th overall out of Washington. On the season, he's averaging 7.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, one block, uh, shooting a nice 68% from the field, pretty efficient. And a shocking 41.9, call it 42% from three. Now, there is a little bit of an asterisk on this because he does only have 31 career attempts from the three-point line, but he has hit 13 of them. Uh, I'm going to take that, you know, like, I- I'll take that, man. I, I don't care if he's, if he's only shot, you know, 31 attempts. He's shown an ability to hit the long ball every now and then. and just showing that ability as a rookie, even though it's, you know, in a very small sample size right now, I think it's very promising going forward. So, I mean, if we look at the last 10 games for this guy, he's been playing fantastic. He's up that six and a half points a game to 12. He's up to his six rebounds to 10 and his blocks. He's up from one to about one and a half. Um, speaking on the terms of defense, this guy is like, 
the poster boy for defense, especially in this city. But I, I think if he was on, you know, other NBA teams, they would say the same thing. He just he plays with, you know, a motor like Russell Westbrook, a huge chip on his shoulder. Like, dude, there is a literal like party sized bag of Doritos on this guy's shoulder at all times, like chips on chips on chips. And <laughs> he plays with so much attitude. And I'd be lying if I said that I didn't really like watching him play. And he brings a little bit of that like Draymond Green-esque like role. I mean, he's definitely not the playmaker that Green is. Uh, it would be very disrespectful to even include Isaiah Stewart in that same defensive group as Draymond Green. All I'm saying is prospect-wise, I think there's a comparison there. Call me stupid if you want, because I also think that Sadiq Bey is comparable to Clay Thompson, but... Oh, what do you That's think okay. about Isaiah Stewart, dude? So I, I want to mention Plumley um, for a second because Plumley was a beautiful pickup for us. It's um, weird for somebody to say that because nobody really thinks that, but he is one of those players that is a veteran, has knows what he's basically doing every day in and day out. So he's just one of those veteran players that just brings advice and chemistry to the court. So when you have a developing big man, just like Isaiah Stewart, it's going to help him blossom better because you're going to have an older person right next to him, giving him advice, you know, just kind of holding his hand step by step to have him develop as a, you know, uh, as a good player. So when you have Isaiah Stewart coming in and he's now upping his numbers and we're seeing him progress a little bit more going into later on in the season um, and towards the end of the season, his numbers start to shoot up. That kind of gives us promise that this player is going to start, you know, um, improving. He's going to start taking on a role that um, he'll be able to handle because he is developing very well um next to a veteran and he'll be able to uh just capitalize on the the role that he's in right now so going into next season it's going to be cool having him because we're still having him on a rookie contract and we still need to burn basically next year's uh all the contracts um need to be basically uh utilized the best they could be or when the Detroit Pistons give out the contracts we need to be able to give out good contracts next year because we need to prep into rebuilding a little bit more um because we still have to deal with Blake Griffin's contract so he's a cheap player that we have that is going to develop into a an important player later down the road but I just don't see you're not going to really hear his name too much this year or next year because the Detroit Pistons are going to be bottom of the barrel again, I believe. Oh, you think so? See, next year I'm <laughs> expecting this team to be in the play in. You at can't do least, anything with a max contract that's just basically dead, though. Yeah, that's I know, the but thing. they still got these rookies on the team that are going to develop. And if we, I mean, say we, you know, we were, I don't know, we get this. Wow, fuck it. Say we get the number one pick and we pick up Cade Cunningham or, you know, we get the second pick and we draft Jalen Green and they end up being great. I mean, you know, the team is still going to be able to move forward. I mean, I do do agree with you, though, that that like, you know, the Blake Griffin contract is a fucking anchor dragging us down. But I, I just think that 
you know, when you have a guy like Troy Weaver, a guy that drafts well and is so far, you know, with Sadiq Bay, with Isaiah Stewart, I mean, you can throw Killian Hayes in there. I know we haven't seen a lot from him this year. Uh, but what I we have seen, I think, is pretty promising, especially post injury Killian Hayes, you know, the past like 10 games that we've seen him play. Uh, I think when you are drafting like that, you're able to overcome that, you know, obstacle of having all this dead cap from the Blake Griffin situation. But go on, go ahead. No, you just brought up um, you brought up like drafting somebody that's going to come in and, you know, if he capitalizes, then we're going to improve and we could probably pick up players that will will benefit off of basically they just come in and they'll you know improve the team also and you know maybe they'll see a run but the problem is is that i kind of saw this with the pelicans it was just one of those things where they were picking up um they were doing bad they knew that they were gonna trade ad and uh the offseason that they picked up zion they were able to pick up Zion and they were able to pick up like JJ Redick. They were able to pick up um, multiple star players that, you know, were coming in and were like, okay, we're going to just build around Zion. And you even had Brandon Ingram um, right next to him. You also had a Steven Adams come in this year. So it's just, it's one of those things or last year. So it was one of those things where it was just, you saw a number one pick come in. We, Everyone was glorifying him as the next LeBron, and they're still missing the playoffs, and they still haven't made the playoffs yet because it's just one of those things where it's the, the players didn't match up well together. So when I look at the Pistons, I kind of want to build a team not around one person, but I need to see a team built around a a certain play style so when you saw in houston the small ball and then you saw it with the golden state warriors straight three-point shooting um with a little bit of steph curry magic i mean but i can't really compare the warriors with the pistons and build you know like i can't say that the pistons can get to the warriors level because they had steph curry who's arguably the best point guard and um, also multiple superstars that have joined the team so the thing with the Pistons is we got to stick with something. And I think the thing with Dwayne Casey's play style is going to be the three and D. So we brought in um, the perfect person was Jeremy Grant. I mean, we picked up Sadiq Bay. We picked up uh, two centers. We picked up basically Isaiah Stewart, who is a presence in the paint and uh, Plumlee, who's a presence in the paint. So, I mean, we're, we're building a well enough team. We're just one star away from actually contending in the east because i think it's kind of embarrassing that the east is so easy to you know climb climb up the ranks and we're still not able to do it yeah i mean we are one of the worst teams in the league this season but you are right there about the east i mean there's really not that much competition to be honest with you i mean we are we have 18 wins and the the last team in the play-in tournament, uh, which is the 10th seed right now, the Washington Wizards, uh, they only have 27. So, I mean, nine games, that's a lot. But it really, I mean, look, take a look out west. The 10th seed, the Golden State Warriors, they have 31 wins to the Houston Rockets, who are in the last place in the Western Conference, just like Detroit is in the last place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Rockets only have 15 wins. So you can see right there that, 
the West is a little more deeper. It's a little more competitive. And uh, I do agree with you that, I mean, it's sad that we're, you know, having trouble to compete, but I mean, how bad do you think the Pistons are going to be next year? Especially like, let's say they, you know, they do pick up a Kate Cunningham, a Jalen Green, you know, one of these top picks and they do end up at least so far seeming like, okay, like we got a, we got a good player here. Like, do you, cause I think that, I mean, especially adding, you know, Jeremy Grant's development, another year in the system, another year as the number one option, Killian Hayes. I mean, I really like what we've seen out of him. He's got to work on his offensive game, but I think playmaking wise, like this guy knows this guy can run an offense. I mean, he could thread the needle. I think he's got a lot of potential as a playmaking point guard in the league. Uh, lacks the athleticism a little, I think, in the scoring. But I think the Pistons can be pretty good, to be honest. I mean, I would not be surprised if we're sitting here in two, three years and the Pistons are a contending team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it either. But like the thing is, is that I'm not too optimistic about next year. I think next year is our hurdle year and we need to be able to learn from our past mistakes, like not trading Blake Griffin when we needed to not getting as much out of Drummond that we should have gotten. So I think that we need to get over Blake Griffin's contract next year. It's his last year of the contract. It's dead $32 million. It's a lot of fucking money, but I don't see any contending team paying out a debt contract that's over $30 million right now. So that is just one of the things that the Detroit Pistons need to get over. So once we learn from our mistake of not trading a player when we need to trade them, then we'll be able to now build off of that cap free cap space that thirty million dollars we could sign so many contracts with that with that money and we're able to extend so many contracts like Jeremy Grants or maybe I don't know a couple of years down the line Isaiah Stewart goes nuts. He turns into a Julius Randle or some shit. I don't know. Or Dude, ben, I wouldn't be or surprised. Ben Wallace. I was gonna right. say I was gonna say a little earlier. You could fucking you could even throw Julius or Julius Randle. You could throw Isaiah Stewart into the three and D I mean, grouping there. I mean, I like I said, yeah, small sample size, only 31 attempts on the year, but 41% from three as any rookie, let alone a center that not a lot of people had faith in as a shooter. His first year in the league, I, like, I'll take it, man. I'll take all the shooting I can get in this in today's NBA. I'll take it all. Yeah, we need the, all the cap space possible in order to feed those rookies. Um, the money that they're going to be wanting in the future. So if Sadiq Bay turns into a Danny Green Clay and eventually into a Clay Thompson, I mean, I would say like five years, six years down the road, he could turn into a Clay Thompson. But um, I'm going to just say Danny Green right now. So if he turns into a Danny Green, then yeah, give him, you know, the money that he deserves, of course. But he can't do that right now because we have a $20 million contract with Jeremy Grant, and then we have the $30 million contract with Blake Griffin, and then we have another $5 million with Dennis Smith. So, like, all these are now adding up into, like, a large amount of money. And the cap space is just, it's kind of hard to, like, fluctuate and bring in so much star talent to help these players improve and, you know, help them shine when we're just spending money at the end of the day on just stuff that's not going to help us in the future. Right. But I mean, at the same time, you know, you do have to field a, you know, 15 man roster, but that's neither here or there. But you know what I was thinking when you were kind of talking about like, you know, salary and all Blake Griffin's dead cap is just how jealous I am that, 
Detroit is a small market team because, man, when you're a small market team, it just makes things so much harder. And it's why I have so much respect for teams like the Utah Jazz, you know, a small market. I think I was just, just saying in the last podcast, yeah, I don't think any professional at- athletes are really interested in playing in Salt Lake City, Utah. So, I, you know, it, it's really hard when you're a small market. And it's why I'm jealous of teams like, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, who, you know, what was it? You know, I mean, it actually feels like quite a while ago when they literally sold their soul to the devil for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and literally gave an entire fleet of draft picks to the Boston Celtics. And, you know, with those draft picks, they've kind of they used those to draft, you know, real important guys to their team, like, you know, Marcus Smart, who's still on the team, you know, Tatum, Brown, uh, Rozier, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure was one of those draft picks before he got traded to Charlotte. And I mean, it's just like, look at how, you know, how bad of a situation that Brooklyn was in, because obviously we know as NBA fans, that whole Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce experiment in Brooklyn did not go as planned at all. And here we are in 2021, and they just, oops, whoops, signed Kevin Durant. Oops, signed Kyrie Irving. Oh, traded for James Harden. And boom, they're right back in it. You know, possibly going to make the NBA finals, could even win a ring. And, you know, I'm just I'm just a little jealous, to be honest. I want to give us optimism, though, okay? I okay. think the optimistic part of this is that we have a lot of star talent um, on the team already in terms of potential wise so i want to kind of compare us to the charlotte um hornets i think that we're one we could be one draft pick away like a lamello ball or we could also um go in towards that direction of what we're seeing going on in charlotte right now so when we have when we have player I, I lost my train of thought hold on <laughs> fuck <laughs> but no all right, all right i'm back into it so we saw that the charlotte hornets brought in gordon hayward they brought in terry rogier they brought in star talent onto the team they were able to pick up miles bridges they were able to pick up Lamelo ball in the draft and they were able to su- succeed with those draft picks we've drafted players already right now which have potential so i mean Seeing it right now, Sadiq Bay, um, Isaiah Stewart. We brought in Jeremy Grant, who's going to be good. We we brought in Plumley, who could be a Brook Lopez, and you know, for the for the Bucks I during be the playoffs. To, where, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to keeping Plumley around as a backup center. Not at he's all. He's cheap. He's cheap, yeah. and he just he's got that veteran mindset where he Tons just goes experience. in and does his role and does his job, and then goes home, and he his head doesn't get too big. So. I feel like the Detroit Pistons need to pick up three-point shooters um, outside of the draft. So I think we need to pick up. Um, I I've been saying this name for a while, and I've been trying to get people's like you know feedback on it, and a lot of people are not really like giving me a lot of feedback. So I kind of want to like mention it right now. But I think Gallinari after this year or after next year would be the perfect pickup for us, or maybe one of the Boganovich brothers, preferably oh, be, the one in on Atlanta too. Yeah, I'd be way more interested in one of the uh, the Bowie brothers because I do like Gallinari. I like his skill set and stuff, especially at the uh, you know he he has a lot of good size. And I don't hate our front court front court right now. Like I actually think it's pretty good, but I do think it lacks sh- shooting. So 
I would totally be in on getting a you know a forward that can shoot. My only thing against Gallinari is I just feel like he's a walking injury at this point in this in his career. Like how many games has he even played this season for Atlanta? I mean, he's missed almost half. <laughs> See, it's just that's my one thing about Gallinari is like we'd be spending money to you know get someone that's probably going to be on the bench half the season because my idea behind him though my idea behind him though is like i want to pick up a player who um is coming off a role that he wasn't um like the star player or maybe that he was just you know surrounded by a bunch of star talent so when we pick him up we'll be able to get him for cheap and they'll still have the stats that they brought um or they they performed with if not their roles are now going to be expanded so Gallinari when we saw him on the uh the Clippers when he was popping off I mean if he came back to Detroit we'd see the Clippers Gallinari again if injuries are not in the factor so or maybe a Boganovich brother where we're picking him up from Atlanta Atlanta didn't do so good but there's so much star talent that his you know talent doesn't shine and he's able to come to Detroit and just be able to just light up the freaking net because he's able to get the ball and be able to work with him more. Well, if you want a, uh, you know, a good size forward that's got some pretty good like skills and shots. I mean, it's possible that we could uh, draft Evan Mobley out of uh, UFC. He's a seven footer. Yeah. Got- lot of lot of skill and he he is right in that you that range where like i said i said in the beginning of the episode the pistons have the uh the third worst winning percentage in the league i think i've seen in most mock drafts mobley goes like three to five like pick three to five so i mean he's right in that range that could be an option for us if we don't you know get up to um get up to you know the one two you know kate coming kate cunningham and uh jail or jalen green yeah jalen green I was going to say Jalen Brown, but that's not the right person. <laughs> so I, I feel like the Detroit Pistons right now in the situation that they are in, we would need to value Isaiah Stewart more. So, I mean, I feel like we could possibly trade Sadiq Bay to, uh, I don't know, the Knicks for Nerlens Noel and build up that front court a little bit more and draft a point guard or draft a guard in general and just focus on the guards in the draft and then be able to bring in, you know, centers that have, you know, shrinked roles, but they'll be able to blossom in our system. So, like, the thing with the Pistons is you'll be able to blossom in our system and your numbers will be expanded. So, um we need to look for players that if they were if they were able to get more minutes uh they would shine more but since they would be since they're on a contending team maybe uh their numbers have shrunk so we need to start targeting other players other small time players so bringing in tony snell last year it was kind of stupid um in terms of you know try to build a team towards a a championship but bringing him in would was a really small contract though and we were dealing him a small amount of money and he was able to just get the job done and just um you know he provided a small amount of numbers but he was still able to just put up the statistics that he needed to be putting up so the detroit pistons just need one of those stars alongside with jeremy grant because jeremy grant wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do it 
as a number one. I feel like he'd be able to do it as the number two or the number three. And then we're just able to just, you know, build around that. So uh, you got a uh, you got a salary cap thing for us. You were telling me about. Why don't you why don't you give the people a little bit about that? Let's go. So the salary cap is basically the money that we have to uh, work with in order to build the team. So um, there's a limit. It's 136 million dollars, but the luxury tax base is 31 million dollars. So. The way salary cap goes is, all right, I give you a contract of $20 million per year. Um, $20 million is taken out of that salary cap per year. So the, what, $136 million, $116 million now is open for us. So when you start reaching towards the cap, so when you're at maybe like, I don't know, $116 million and you want to pay a player $30 million, in order to join the team and play with us, we can give you that contract, but we'd be $10 million over the salary cap. So now when you're in luxury tax terms, we only have $36 million to wiggle with after the salary cap. And that is called a luxury ta- tax cap. And so now that $10 million is dug into our, our luxury tax and the luxury tax, you have to pay um, like a dollar on top of a dollar. So now instead of it being $10 million, or I'd say like, I make, I'll make a simple, like 50 cents on top of the dollar. So instead of paying them $10 million, we'd have to pay them $15 million. So right. yeah. And we currently have, I'm going to name off the top three players for salary cap for the Detroit Pistons. It would be, Jeremy Grant, $20 million, Corey Joseph, $12 million, and then Plumlee, $8 million. So you see how I was saying that bringing in small, um, bringing in role players like Plumlee who can execute their role really well, but we can pay them cheap. That's why I love him so much is because picking up players like this help us in order to give contract extensions to maybe Jeremy Grant if he develops into an all-star instead of paying him 20 million dollars we can pay him now 25 million dollars um dude who the hell paid Corey joseph 12 million dollars a year that would be your oh my god would that be that is orlando terrible. magic yeah yeah that sounds like the magic yeah, oh that is your orlando magic 12 million a year yeah, who would Jesus. pay blake griffin a busted ass fucking blake griffin after injury central when he came off of LA 30 or 29 million dollars basically just some super max contract so that's why I kind of said that next year is kind of just going to be like the slump year for us because we're not going to be able to extend any contracts um I don't think we'd be we'd need to because we've hit the salary cap already this year um we're actually going into the luxury tax a couple of million dollars so I mean, for Blake, all, the, all of our go ahead oh i'm just gonna say that if blake griffin's contract is a race would be able to give out contract extensions to players like jeremy grant or Plumley or whatever oh hell yeah yeah this whole yeah blake's griffin you know contract situation you know with us i mean that's really holding us back but i do think on the bright side i don't really think there's anyone like important vital to this team that 
is you know up for a contract extension right now i mean we just signed grant this past off season so we're good for, we're good on him and then honestly like all the keys key pieces to this team they're all rookies so i mean for right now i think we're good so i mean it does suck that we're finding ourselves in this like you know hole due to the blake griffin situation and you know us still owing him a ton of money even though he's not providing us any services at all uh, I mean, that holds us back, but I mean, it could be way worse if we were, you know, say we were two years down the line and, you know, we still owe, for some reason, we still owe Blake Griffin money and, you know, we do have to re-sign these guys. That would put us in a, a much more problematic situation. So, I mean, I think it could be worse, but it definitely doesn't help that we're still paying Blake Griffin. And just to add on to the fact that, like, the guy literally claimed to, like, be broken and then he goes to brooklyn and just becomes this like i mean he's nothing he's not doing anything crazy i mean we all know that blake griffin's years of dunking over people are much you know they're they're past him but the guy played completely different when he got to brooklyn i mean there was you know some bounce in his step he was dunking again he didn't have a dunk the entire season until he went to the nets so screw you blake i mean you literally just you know you, you sold out on us no, we should have traded him by the deadline when his numbers were inflated that one year. Um, I believe it was like what, 2018. Yep, that's when we still had a uh, Stan Van running the show, dude. Yeah, we still had Drummond. I mean, that was the year to just blow it up and get rid of Blake Griffin and Drummond because we saw that Drummond put no effort on defense. But the Detroit Pistons are in good um I guess the future is bright for the Pistons because most of these contracts look like they're just club options instead of player options so now for like blake griffin um we weren't able to get rid of him for i think it was like the first two years no it was first like couple of years of his contract so one of them was served with the clippers and then one of them was served with us so we weren't able to trade him because it was a player option straight player option contract um but most of the players that we have on the pistons right now are in a club option so if they start performing bad we can get rid of them whenever and we don't have to pay them money um and they can they can become a unrestricted or we can make them become a unrestricted free agent by you know i don't know like if there's three years in their contract and by the second year it's a club option we're able to cut a year out of that contract because we can get rid of that player but the thing with Blake Griffin was it was I believe it was a player option for most of that time, so we weren't able to get rid of him. But he did kind of agree to it. I mean, it was I, we were trying to get rid of him basically, but I, I don't know. We were just happy at the time with his numbers, and we we're like, oh, okay, so Blake Griffin's back, and we have Andre Drummond. No, that was it was Stan Van Gundy trying to save his ass. He knew he was done, mm-hmm. which which leads me to my my next statement. Uh, what what did New Orleans do? I mean, we're not going to talk about this because, I mean, episode episode's about over now. But, like, why the hell did the New Orleans Pelicans look at Stan Van Gundy and what he did in Detroit and how freaking, how bad he messed up that roster and said, that is the guy that we want to coach our team. That is the guy that we want to put this number one pick in Zion Williamson, this freak of nature that the NBA has never seen before. We have never seen a guy that is built like this, that can move like this. And they said, we want Stan Van Gundy to, to 
to train you. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you this or ask you this. Um, did obviously it's the obvious answer, but um, did Stan Van Gundy do better than Dwayne Casey right now? As you know, we're watching the Pistons this year. Well, record wise. Yes, okay. I mean, duh, Stan Van won more games than Casey did, but I will never, ever believe that Stan Van Gundy did more for the progression of this franchise than Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver. I'm not talking done. about, you know, team-wise, building a team. I'm just talking about coaching-wise, um, being in his position. He's not good at building a team in general. Um, we saw that. But Stan Van Gundy is pretty fucking smart when it comes to sports or the game of basketball and running a team. Oh, yeah. So if he has the players in front of him, he's going to just capitalize off of it. He's not going to he's not that guy that's going to be from the dirt up. He's going to build your team into a, you know, Golden State Warriors, L.A. Lakers or Nets type of team. But if he's able to step into a team that has Zion, B.I., um and all the star caliber players that they have he's able to he's going to be able to run a play or a um game plan that's going to bring them wins so i'm i think it's possible right so do, the pelicans are like not crazy good like this year but eventually they're underachieving this year yeah they're underachieving definitely with the players that they have i mean brandon ingram i mean i don't know i feel like they and, should utilize him more like they're underachieving and they have two players this year who well, I didn't I said we weren't going to get into a conversation about this, but here we are. Um, uh, they have they're underachieving. And they have two players this year in Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson that have exceeded expectations. I mean, Lonzo has has shown some great development this year, especially in his shot and his defensive abilities. And I think Zion is a lot better than we I mean, we all knew he was going to be good, but he's. He's freaking amazing, dude. Yeah. All in all, um, the Detroit Pistons are in good hands of Dwayne Casey. I feel like um, he's doing a good job so far with the draft picks and the team that he was given with the contracts that he had to, you know, get or deal with. Uh, he's he's on the right road. And I liked Dwayne Casey when we brought him in, and I still think that we should keep him. I mean, I don't blame any of this on him. This is all Stan Van Gundy's fault, giving out that many contracts and picking up that player like Blake Griffin, who we knew is a good player, but for the money that he was given, I mean, the Clippers gave him that contract, and we still fucking we still took him. I mean, it was not even our contract that we gave him. And within, like, two years, uh, after two years, we were already sick of him. So... The Detroit Pistons, all in all, are a good team. We're going to make a playoff appearance sooner rather than later. Um, we just have to get through next year. Playing tournament champions 2022. Yeah, and then we right lose now. as soon as we get into yeah, the playoffs. We, <laughs> we just get our just get crushed in the it's first gonna round. It's going to be the Bucks against the Pistons again 2016. Or twenty right. no, it was twenty eighteen because in twenty sixteen it was the fucking Cleveland Cavaliers who just swept right. us. So I feel right. like we just need to avoid. Um, we we just need to get a, a mindset where we're going to be the underdogs because 
eventually, I mean, we're going to have to climb our way up the rankings. We're not going to be able to just jump to number one like the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to have to just grind our way up to the top. And going through the play-in tournament, we're going to have to have a mindset of being the underdog. And then we're going to have to you know, contend against the teams that are finals uh, projected teams. Um, we just have to go into those games and we just got to know what we're doing and we've got to look a little bit more organized because in 2016 and 2018 we did not look organized at all we were just basically shitting the bed and getting blown out every single game right and to wrap up the episode you know real quick there's a path there's a clear path to success for this team and that is something that i can confidently say Dwayne or not Dwayne Casey Stan Van never had he never really had a whole plan there and it didn't work out for him but Dwayne Casey Troy Weaver I think we're headed in the right place I'll say I'll say the future is partly sunny (laughs) yeah (laughs) whatever whatever that means I mean yeah partly sunny uh and we'll catch you guys next week on episode number 13 thanks guys for listening thank you for listening